right, welcome everybody. How are you? Give me a hot minute here. I'm losing control. I gotta shake you off. You stole everything you could grab. How could it be so? So crazy and all right, good morning, folks. Today is Thursday, September 15th. Welcome to episode 198 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And over the next 45 minutes, I'm going to be dropping knowledge bombs on you. I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got what you need. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor and also guest host yesterday, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for your business and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. If you want some help and support from them, don't wait. Go to barricadecyber.com, schedule really just a conversation with my man Eric Taylor. You saw him yesterday on stream. Also shout out and thanks to the other stream sponsor, Recon InfoSec. Thank you so much, Recon InfoSec. If your organization's large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, which basically means you're in business. I don't care if you have three people or 25 or 200. You're in business. You don't want to be brought down, right? But maybe you're not quite large enough to have a full-fledged SecOps capability from the ground up. Check out the Managed Detection and Response MDR offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. Link in the description below for Recon infosec slash simply cyber I, I don't know the exact url but it's slash simply cyber it basically tells them that you you know you you heard about them here right that's kind of one of those like tracking link things uh but you'll get over there guys here's the deal at the end of the day if you are running a program and it's like a one person show or just a couple of you or something like that a really cost effective way to get secops capabilities basically people watching your your network and responding is through MDR. CFOs love it because it's professional services, which is a different color of money. It's an entire discussion, but just whatever. MDR is a thing. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs like SysP, SysM, SISA, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, right? So that is 10 a week? No, is it 10 a week? Yeah, 10, uh, 10 a month, two and a half a week. So whatever, just say what's up, say hashtag team live and chat if you're on replay, say hashtag team replay. Document literally the easiest and most enjoyable way to catch CPEs. You're here, you're having a good time, you're networking. We're gonna be t sharing some information. We've got good music, the production value is going up, 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 up. And spoiler alert, spoiler alert, my soundboard, my sound deck isn't working. I think, I think, yeah, so one soundboard, my old one works, but my Stream Deck one with everything doesn't work. So guess what? It's manual sound effects Thursday, apparently. So if you are live, love it. I see 72 of you in here right now, uh, bumping to 80. Thank you so much for being here, especially on a Thursday when it's a 10 a.m. start. But if you are on Team Replay and you want to jump to the stories, just pop, 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 30 seconds plus. Uh, grab the slider, slide it to the right. Whatever you want to do. You have the power of time travel, but for the next two minutes, 
I am super excited to be welcoming people into chat and kind of sliding back into the host seat, back into the a-hole chair, if you will. But hopefully people don't see me as an a-hole. All right, yeah, hit that like button, actually. Let's try an experiment, guys, real quick. I don't typically ask you, but take the five seconds, drag the slider down or whatever you do, hit the like button. My understanding is if a live stream goes live and a bunch of people start liking it, uh, YouTube's like, oh, this is good content, right? Like, let's push this up to other people who are into cybersecurity. So what's up, Blake Bodish? Good to see you. New here. Well, welcome. Take a seat, man. Blake, everybody is welcome at Simply Cyber, okay? Asha412, what's up, Simon? I see you. Next week, competition with ThreatGen is going to be absolutely sick. Absolutely sick. In fact, I'm going to add a little um, a thing here to talk about that later. So uh, Atlanta was good. Uh, I, I only like stopped off in Atlanta um, as like a, a layover. Like I went to uh, Houston. My talk was in Houston yesterday. I gave a talk in Houston at Elevate IT. It was a fireside chat. BSEC was there. Good morning, Tom Bishop. I thought it was a cool talk. I'm actually getting the raw recordings and I'm gonna publish it if I can get permissions from the conference organizers. Uh, we were dropping knowledge bombs all over the place. Nick Barker wants a threat gen jersey. I will uh, share that with you. We have links so you can buy one. I actually got mine the other day. I'm super pumped. Give me one second. Super pumped. So for those of you watching on video right now, here's the threat gen jersey. Super excited. Look at this thing. High performance. BT Dubs, Simply Cyber is a official sponsor. So we got the, uh, where's, that? where's that logo? There's the logo up on here and then my online handle if you guys don't know jerry guy i know simply cyber is the brand but jerry guy is how i how i game how i hack love it love it love it love it yeah good to see you garrett michael good to see you kimberly always nice carrie white always great left coast love nick barker jeremy williams love you know jeremy i love the consistency man you're here every day putting it in the work i see you out there hey jim lunn always nice Thank you, Barricade. Absolutely. Yeah, they definitely supported the uh, Threat Gen tournament. Hey, Jonalia, good to see you. I was at, Ele oh, oh, I was at Elevate IT in Houston. Yeah, yeah. I actually met some people. Hey, shout out to Dominic. Dominic listening in the car ride into uh, work this morning. Uh, he came up to me and said, hey, I know you. What's up? I listen to you every morning. So what? Shout out to Dominic. Thanks so much. Hey, Paul Williams. Hey, Shane Simmons. Good to see you. Casually Joseph, hopefully you're getting amped up for the upcoming training. Matt McDaniel in the house. Wah, wah, wah. Consider that the beginning of the sound effects that I will be manually doing. If you are new here, like Blake. Blake, I have a soundboard, and we do certain sounds that are fun, but occasionally the soundboard breaks, and I don't want to disappoint the Simply Cyber community, so we do what all InfoSec professionals are good at. We have a business continuity plan. The business continuity is manual sound effects. So that's how we're rolling today. All right, guys, that's enough pleasantries. It's great to see all of you. Let's get into the news and have a good time. Hey, Poner Joe, what's up? From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Teams stores tokens in clear text. A security researcher at the firm Vectra released a report detailing how the Microsoft app stores authentication tokens in clear text. This impacts versions of the app on Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. 
The researcher found the tokens in an LBD file. Further investigation found them in the cookies folder, along with account information, session data, and marketing tags. The researcher advised Microsoft of the findings in August. Microsoft disagreed with the severity of the findings, so don't expect a patch. The report recommends users switch from the Electron desktop app to the browser-based version in Edge specifically, which offers additional protections against token leaking. Okay, so this is a pretty big deal, guys. Uh, give me one second. My dog's crying. Talk amongst yourselves. This is actually a pretty big story that will likely be in the newsletter. Exclamation point newsletter if you don't know what I'm talking about. Hold on one second. Okay, a couple things. One, basically what they're saying here is Microsoft Teams keeps creds in plain text, right? Which means if someone gets on your box, uh, they can they can get those, right? I would assume. Um, and it gives you authentication tokens. Microsoft Teams uh, is part of the Microsoft uh, Office suite of products. Uh, Logging into Office 365. So I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, chat. I would assume if I can get on your box and get those creds, I essentially get creds to your Office 365 um, instance, which if you're, you know, Carl... Um, Carl, I'll still push the button. Um, if you're Carl, uh, maybe it's not that great, but you know, if I get like a high value target, like a CFO, someone in financial analysis, an uh, IT administrator, something like that, definitely going to be more valuable. Um, you know, obviously, um, you're probably like if you get Carl, he's probably reusing credentials, so then you might be able to escalate privileges on his box, compromise that, move laterally. That's not good. Um, yeah, single sign on. Oh, that's another thing, right? If you're using Microsoft Office, well, excuse me, if you're using Azure AD for federated authentication, meaning, which I promote all the time, you're logging into like third-party services, like say, you know, I don't know, like Joel Belton's ice cream shop uses QuickBooks and it's for like online banking or online bookkeeping. And instead of, um, you know, creating a QuickBooks account, you just use your Office 365 creds. Well, that's really cool and convenient because now it's one user account you have to remember. But now you got the problem where if this Microsoft Teams thing comes to be a real problem, uh, you could jump in there with the federated authentication. I find it peculiar that Microsoft said that this wasn't an issue and that um, they're not going to do anything about it. Uh, that seems really... First of all, that seems very odd for Microsoft to take that position unless they actually had um, a way to uh, justify that position. Because this seems pretty egregious to have um, uh, clear text passwords. I mean, it's 2022, guys. Like, why are you storing clear text on a person's machine? Um, so be mindful of that. I, I, to me, this one, you know, I, I, like many of you, complain about Microsoft Teams, but it's because I'm forced to use it. Many businesses, many of you in chat right now are definitely using Microsoft Teams, right? And probably griping about it. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my workstation. Um, using the browser-based version of it, it's kind of crappy. That experience isn't as rich. Um, but they're saying here that using the app is part of the problem. Like the app is what is set up to, to uh, store the creds. So I'm going to do a little bit more research into this myself. I may release like a blog post or something like that. At minimum, it's highly likely that this will be 
in the newsletter on Monday for peers uh, on what you need to do about this particular thing. But uh, hopefully this gets um, addressed now that it's become public information and it's a mainstream news topic. Cyber scammers caught up in human trafficking. Ars Technica and ProPublica published a piece looking at the practice of human traffickers forcing victims into acting as cyber scammers. These individuals are sold on Telegram channels and other forums advertised with language proficiencies and typing skills. This appears to include tens of thousands of victims from China, Taiwan, Thailand, and Vietnam tricked into traveling to Cambodia, Laos, and Myanmar, where they're forcibly prevented from leaving compounds until operating cyber fraud schemes to pay thousands of dollars for their freedom. These forced scammers would operate long-term romance scams on targets in Western countries, supplied with guides on how to operate scams and pre-made profiles. Wow. Okay. So this is messed up, dude. And guys, if you think in 2022, like slavery isn't a thing, think again, like forced labor, um, you know, free, removal of freedom. <clears throat> it happens all the time. There's like, you know, sexual, uh, you know, slavery or it, it maybe slavery is not the word, uh, the right word to use, but like forced labor against their will, right? Uh, you call it what you want, but it happens. Um, and this is just another thing. So if you think about um, these cyber frauds, you know, like I feel like India gets a lot of the, uh, the primetime press, especially with like scam baiters and these, these popular YouTube channels that do it. It's usually India call centers, but you know, it requires humans to run the call centers, right? So if you think about it from a resource perspective, yes, in modern cyber attacks, one person can code up a bunch of stuff, they can automate a bunch of stuff, they can infect a bunch of machines, get a bunch of bots, have the bots do what they want, right? Send out a million phishing emails, whatever, uh, set up automation to collect those emails, run scripts to test whether or not uh, the, the credentials that are compromised are a valid, what they can get into, sell them on the black market. It could be like a one-man show, right? Well, if you're sending out emails and text messages that have a phone number to call, now you've got a human resource problem because if a victim calls and they're talking to an, like a, um, like an integrated voice recognition system, like, oh, hello, you've reached call center. Press one to talk to someone. Like at no point can you automate through a voice teller where it's like, you have, you've detected uh, fraud on your account. Please uh, send us, you know, $5,000 in Best Buy gift cards. Trust me, if the fraudsters could figure out how to automate it, they would, but they need humans at this point in order to walk the victims through getting st set up with uh, whatever it is, installing the, the uh, remote access Trojans or the, you know, remote admin tools telling them to go to Best Buy. All, all these things make the scam, the ruse, um, or like the romance scams more believable. So at the end of the day, you need human bodies. So how do you get that workforce? Well, there's two ways. One, you either give people a, a piece of the pie, or if you're super capitalistic and super greedy, you force people to do it. And that's what it sounds like is going on here. I'm kind of stunned that this is actually happening at the scale that it's happening at, uh, but kidnapping people and taking them to another country and forcing them to work until they've worked out, worked off some debt. Um, you know, that seems pretty bad. Like this guy right here, 22 year old from China taking captive, his debt doubled from 7,000 to 15,000. And he's got to work until he's worked off his, uh, debt, his debt. It looks like he's making 1600 a year. Um, 
I think you guys can see where this goes. I, I, I'm not zoomed in enough for you to really get this, but I hope you see where this goes. This is called indentured servitude. And the idea is, no, 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 you're not working for free. You're getting paid to pay off the debt you owe us. Oh, by the way, you'll never work the debt off. Like you'll never eclipse it, right? This is the same kind of concept as uh, in Ready Player One when they had those like forced labor camps. That's what is going on here. This is kind of a... Um, this is like a human, uh, what do they call this? Not a human rights uh, issue, but like this. This is a this is a human human issue. Like this is a real societal problem. People being forced uh, to work off debt. That's in a way that's like basically committing crime. That's not a good situation. So be mindful of that. And also, BT Dubs, I would imagine seeing an increased activity in those type of cyber attacks where they're trying to get you to call a phone number. Um, you know, because they're going to have a bigger workforce on it. U.S. Treasury issues guidance on tornado cash. Last month, the U.S. Treasury announced sanctions against the tornado cash cryptocurrency mixer. The Treasury justified the sanctions by alleging the mixer engaged in money laundering for North Korea's Lazarus Group, among other threat groups. These sanctions mean that no U.S. person could continue using it. The new guidance provides a way for U.S. citizens to lawfully withdraw funds. Users now can apply for a license to complete a transaction, although they have to give a lot of data to the U.S. Treasury. DeFi Llama estimates Tornado Cash smart contracts contain about $200 million at this time. Terraform second. Labs ah! founder facing arrest. Bloomberg reports that South Korean... Hold on one second. I, like, of course, I'm trying to like reboot my stream deck because I want the sound effects. And um, I use the sound de stream deck to start and stop the this, this stories. So, of course hot mess on fire. All right. Hey, you know what? It wouldn't be a regular week without an audio issue here on the channel. Uh, okay. So Department of Treasury, you guys remember they released sanctions against uh, Tornado Cash. Now they're releasing guidance on, I suppose, how to use it. Sounds like, um, uh, uh, okay. $200 million sitting in Tornado Cash smart contracts. So they're kind of keeping people from getting to their money, which obviously if you were a legitimate user of Tornado Cash, which there aren't many, um, you would be pissed because you want your money up to $200 million. Now of that $200 million, I have to assume a large percentage, uh, like 80 plus, 90 plus percentage is fraudulent money. Maybe a lot of it tied up with uh, Lazarus Group's Raxi, uh, Raxi. Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge cyber attack for $650 million a couple months ago. Uh, look into that if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's an elegant hack by Lazarus Group. Um, they did say one thing that kind of caught my ear here. The, the new guidance provides ways for people to lawfully withdraw their funds, but they have to give a ton of information about their transaction when they apply for a license. Now, <laughs> Let me tell you something interesting. Listen, I appreciate the Department of Treasury trying to put, you know, fetters or shackles on Tornado Cash because I get it. But apply for a license. Do you know what that says to me? Oh, my soundboard doesn't work. I I'm just curious. Dude, when I hear apply for a license, I, I hear like, that's going to cost money. <laughs> so here we go. You get an OFAC license application to engage in kind of uh, these type of transactions if your funds have been blocked. So I guess this is an option. If you are a legit user of Tornado Cash and you can legitimately prove that the money is not illegally obtained, 
uh, then the Treasury Department will give you your money. I'm sure they got a ton of pushback from people who were like, hey, dude, you can't just hold my money up. Like, it's my cash money. Cash money, homie. But I don't know what this process takes. I don't know how... I don't know how you like... How long does it take? How much does it cost? What kind of scrutiny is there? Obviously, you get on some type of list at that point. Uh, so uh, be mindful of that. ...a transaction, although they have to give a lot of data to the U.S. Treasury. DeFi Llama estimates Tornado Cash smart contracts contain about $200 million at this time. Terraform Labs founder facing arrest. Bloomberg reports that South Korean authorities issued an arrest warrant for Do Kwon, the founder of the crypto company Terraform Labs. The warrant alleges he violated the capital markets law. Reuters sources say South Korea's Supreme Prosecutor's Office placed Kwon and several Terraform employees on a no-fly list back in June, although he's believed to currently reside in Singapore. Earlier this year, Terraform's Luna and UST tokens plummeted in value, leading to roughly $60 billion in losses. Good. Good. All right, guys, you know that I, I play in the, like, you know, at like a novice, uh, novice level interest of crypto. Um, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. I love it. I love it. Just the sound effect of Charles Finfrock. Not that I'm a crypto evangelist. Okay. So this Doquan guy, if you go to CoffeeZilla, CoffeeZilla on YouTube, he's got a ton of videos about this guy. This guy's basically what I would consider a fraudster, right? He, in fact, there's actually been interviews where he like admits to basically ripping people off and it doesn't matter because he knows how to like make the engine work to like spin up another crypto and, and, and basically, uh, commit fraud. Um, Luna famously took a huge crap and, you know, went to basically zero. He was in charge of that one. Um, it sounds like the federal government of, uh, Seoul, Korea, uh, South Korea, is you know had enough of it and they're willing to go after this dude which is awesome also i want to point out i thought it was really interesting did you hear like the name of like the you like the equivalent of what sounds like the u.s district attorney or the u.s attorney general in in south korea it's called like the it's called like the supreme counselor or something like that i mean i don't know sometimes the some of the names in the international communities for certain positions always uh, put a smile on my face, like Supreme Counselor. You definitely don't want to get uh, brought before that person. That, that sounds like a Star Wars uh, person that you definitely sounds powerful and not something you want to piss off. So anyways, this dude, I hope he gets brought to justice in a way that is appropriate. I hope he's given a fair trial. But based on everything I've seen, this guy is a charlatan that's all about ripping people off to the tune of $60 million um, or that thereof. So you know, dude, until people are being like made examples of and justice is being served um, to ransomware threat actors and uh, this NFT space, crypto projects or whatever, as long as people are able to continue to commit fraud, they're going to continue to commit fraud. Because why? Huge return, low risk. I can do a rug pull and no one's going to come after me. Yeah, maybe some people bitch about me, but guess what? I got two, three, four, five million dollars and, you know, you know, uh, whatever. So people like I'm. I, I'm happy for this. He was a big name in the NFT space. So if he goes to jail, um, it's going to send ripples through the NFT and crypto space. And now, thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Edge Scan. 
scalable, automated, and continuous attack surface management and vulnerability detection integrated with a world-class cybersecurity team provides 100% false positive free alerts and expert remediation guidance. All right, all right. So let's take a hot minute here. Can I do this? Um, hmm. We'll see. All right, so just a hot minute while I talk to you guys. Thank you, as always, to all of you who make up the Simply Cyber community. It's because of you that this community is so inclusive, so engaging, so valuable. Um, as a network, the Simply Cyber community is valuable. So when more people come, like Blake today, um, he can he can begin getting value and learning and getting access to resources and stuff like that. So thank you to all of you for making Simply Cyber what it is today. I just want to take a minute. Um, we talked about this on the intro. If you go to esports.threatgen.com, esports.threatgen.com, maybe someone can drop that in chat or I'll drop it in chat, esports.threatgen.com. Next week, we've got a huge, huge event over at ThreatGen. Uh, we are doing an invitational tournament. First round, two matches on Monday. Two, two round, uh, first round, two matches on Tuesday. Second round, Wednesday. Finals on Friday. Eric Taylor's in there. I'm in there. Jack Scott, Ken Underhill, uh, our, uh, Josh Mason, Josh Mason, um, David Meese, Stacy Loki. A lot of familiar people. A lot of great uh, cybersecurity community members. We're gonna go heads to head battle on the ThreatGen platform. So if you're interested in that, go to esports.threatgen.com. Check it out. You can order these shirts. I'm not. I'm not like. We're not making, like, ThreatGen's not making money on these shirts, but if you want to get one of these shirts, I think they're, like, $35. I'm actually, I bought my wife one. Um, I'm buying my kids one because they're like, oh, my God, those are so cool. We want them. So they're actually just trying to decide what name they want on the back, honestly. Uh, but I'll put the link in that later. I'll put it on Discord, exclamation point Discord, if you want to join the Discord server. Um, so whatever. I hope you can join us next week. There's going to be a lot of live streaming of ThreatGen Red versus Blue next week. And it's going to be epic. I love it. I can't wait. The other thing I want to share with you guys is later today at 4.30, Virginia Case is coming on Simply Cyber Live. And we're going to be live roasting LinkedIn profiles and side hustle websites. Okay? I think Cybersecurity Central is one of the websites. Um, Poner Joe has a website that's in the, in the pool. Tons of LinkedIn profiles. Guys, if you want to... Virginia's a marketing expert. If you want to take your LinkedIn profile and, and have a professional marketing person give you tips on how to fix it in a way that is visually appealing, uh, has the right copy words, leads uh, potential employers to look at and go, oh my God, let me, let me get more of this person. Come join us because this is going to be one of those hot take roasting sessions where it's like, boom, 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 next one, boom, 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 next one. It's going to be massive value. So come, 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 come and be part of it. Okay. Let's get back to the show. Microsoft patches zero days. The company patched two zero days in its patch Tuesday release, including an actively exploited elevation of privilege bug with the Windows common log file system driver. This impacted all versions of Windows. These came as part of 63 total fixes in the update. CISA already added the critical zero-day to its known exploited vulnerabilities list, along with the Apple actively exploited iOS zero-day we covered yesterday. All right. Jeez. Microsoft's having a tough day, man, huh? Woo. All right. So, so it looks like Patch Tuesday. So all of, all of you who have lived, lived IT administration, server administration, and user management, you guys know what Patch Tuesday is. Um, 
again, uh, I, I've talked about this on the show in the past. If you work with an organization of any size, you should be patching your endpoints, obviously. Um, but do it in a controlled way, right? Patch a couple people, make sure it works, then patch a couple other people out like in different teams, like sales team, finance team, whatever, uh, and then roll it out uh, industry-wide. Um, or industry-wide, roll it out organizational-wide. Now, with with patches, you always want to look at, you know, it says two critical zero days, but you want to look to see if, are they actively being exploited in the wild? It looks like you can see here, one of them's being actively exploited in the wild. Um, with the way that Microsoft does patching on Windows OS, you can't just like patch this one and not the other ones. They do roll up patches now. Chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding... You know, at my org, I have everyone patch everything all the time. And then if something breaks, come back to me. But, um, you you know, actively exploited means you need to get it patched like ASAP, okay? Um, you know, this common log file system driver, elevation of privilege. So remember earlier, we talked about getting the Teams uh, token or whatever, and I get on, I get in your box or whatever. Well, you wouldn't use the Teams token to get on the box, but maybe you reuse credentials and now I can get on Carl's box. Carl! Right? I could use this bug right here or uh, vulnerability to escalate privileges to system level. And now I totally own the box. And then I could do whatever I want, install software, um, dump creds. Maybe the domain admin has logged into that box to service it at some point. Then I've got domain admin. I can move to the DC and off I go. So long story short, this is not one to sleep on. Patch your stuff. Patch your Windows stuff, people. Okay? Rising concerns of Russian industrial espionage. Experts speaking to the record advise that Western companies should be on full alert for cyber attacks from Russian intelligence services, specifically looking at industrial espionage. This comes as the country's Ministry of Industry and Trade issued a new strategic policy document warning that Russia's domestic technology industry suffers from foreign dependence on intellectual property. Statements from Russian President Vladimir Putin suggest that the country's intelligence service used cyber espionage as a way to close this technological development gap. It's not clear if this will be part of future efforts or a shift already underway. Last month, Microsoft's Threat Intelligence Center reported that the Russian-backed Nobelium Group remains highly active but still seems focused on targeting government organizations and NGOs. Okay, first of all, first of all, what? <laughs> okay, so here's what the story is saying. This is like insane, okay? We all know that first world powers engage in clandestine operations and espionage okay it's just it's just doing business right we all know it but you don't see the president of the united states for example coming out and saying you know what we need to do we need to operationalize our nsa and cia assets cia assets to hack into other countries to get in you know intellectual property you just don't see that it's like an open declaration of we are committing international crime. Putin at this event talks to, I guess, the public, but he's specifically focusing on their intelligence community and saying, hey, technologically, when it comes to like chipsets and, and, you know, hardware architecture and all this crap, electronics, Russia's not doing so good. Now, 
what we can do is we can invest heavily in our own research and development and technology program, or we can steal it. Let's go with stealing it. This is this is out like to me it's outrageous that he made a public declaration like this. But getting back up off my soapbox of of like blah, let me let me be real for a second. This happens all the time. <clears throat> I actually give a lecture at the Citadel. It's like week I don't know eleven of my lectures, but uh, about espionage and information, um, you know, industrial espionage. So. Here's the deal, like re real quick. When you think about the value of information, right? Because we work in information security. I know we call it cybersecurity, but that's a marketing term. When we work in information security, we're protecting information. Think about how much it costs to, to develop the technology to make a microchip, right? You have to do all the research. So you got to pay for all of the people's time and the lab equipment and all that crap for the research, then the actual time for those people with that hardware and lab and stuff like that to actually do the research to figure out how to invent the microchip or create some type of technology, whatever it is. We'll just call it widgets. Time plus money and resources and people, if you even have the people to do it, that is the value of that information. Think about the, the Pfizer vaccine, right? If you're a country that isn't friendly with the United States or, or, you know, whatever, I'm thinking of one particular country, right? You might not have access to a, a vaccine right now. And you could develop it on your own, but it takes time, money, resources, knowledge, capital, etc. Trials, all that. So you could just steal it. This happens all the time. I'm going to give you two cite, cited examples really quick and then move on because this is... If you work in an industry, okay, so here's the TLDR on this one, okay? So if you work in an industry that develops intellectual capital, right? You, you develop uh, new technology, you have a research and development department, you work in software. I worked at an academic medical center for a while, so they're developing new treatment plans, new healing, new prescriptions, new medicines, new everything, right? Anything that has value like that, your target. You are a target. Now, check this out. I want to show you something really quickly. Um, Iran, uh, is it the Mumbai? I mean, Institute, it's not Mumbai, but it, it uh, Institute, uh, oh God, what was it? Fake espionage, theft. Uh, what did they call themselves? They called themselves something. This, this is worth the, the minute here for me to figure this out. Um, damn it. There was a... Uh, sorry, guys, to be fumbling like this. There was a... Uh, a couple years ago, there was a group, I, I swear to God they were out of Iran, where basically they set up a fake institute and they were a front and they were co collect like connecting with 
uh, academic professors, researchers across the United States and, and uh, really English speaking countries. Uh, hey, we want to work with you. We're this institute. We do all sorts of stuff. And in reality, they were just fishing the crap out of them, getting their creds, taking over, uh, getting access to research databases, getting access to those people's research. They were wholesale collecting it. And then this entire scam was to steal all this information and not use it for internal purposes, but to sell it to people and countries that didn't have access to this information or this ability to develop these intellectual capabilities and it was making money hand over fist finally it got um compromised and and and, and or discovered and taken down but that that happened uh china also uh does it quite a bit china uh espionage healthcare i'm just googling it here china's here this is 2021 from hhs talking about china's um they have a 15-year plan to basically deliver healthcare to everyone in their country um, in, a, in a way that's like meaningful. I, again, I didn't look through this in advance, but what's important to note is that they point out that they're, China's not going to be able to develop all this on their own. So what they note in, the, in this briefing here is that U.S. healthcare institutions, especially, especially academic medical centers and research facilities, are going to have a increase in highly sophisticated APT level activity going after their research. Because China, it, like I just said, it's faster to steal it than it is to, it's faster and it's way cheaper to steal it, get a head start, stand on the shoulders of giants than it is to develop it in-house on your own to begin with. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, um, Josh Mason just sent this over. Let me pull it up really quickly. Thanks, Josh, for the assist. Right. Yeah. Iranian hackers pose this British-based academic. This is from 2021. So this is a little bit newer than what I was talking about. But guys, this happens all the time. And, and by the way, the reason you don't hear about it a lot is because if you're good at espionage, no one knows. That's the whole deal with espionage. It's stealing information undercover. No one knows about it. You're not supposed to, it's not ransomware where like you're kicking in the door and, and like pulling your pants down and mooning your victim and letting the world know that you've stolen their stuff. It's not that. It's the opposite. This is like Mission Impossible, Secret Squirrel, undercover agent, espionage, right? So the ones that you, just the ones you hear about are the ones that got blown up. This happens all the time in the world theater. Again, getting back to my original point, I just find it stunning that Putin was so overt about the mission. Go get it, people. We need technology. Go steal it. So, I mean, pretty wild. Legacy medical devices at risk. <clears throat> A new report from the FBI states that threat actors increasingly look to exploit unpatched legacy medical devices still in operation. These exploits could impact data integrity, operations, and patient safety. The alert notes that most devices remain active anywhere from 10 to 30 years, much longer than a manufacturer's software lifecycle. Oh this gap can present an easy way to discover attack services for threat actors. These medical devices often require specialized upgrading or patching procedures using a specialized tech stack that falls outside typical IT practices. I wish my soundboard worked today, people. Okay, yeah. FBI discovers leg legacy medical devices pose risk of exploitation. Nope. Like, from, from the office of, like, welcome to the party. Are you kidding me with this nonsense, dude? 
this has been like, okay, like, okay, I'm glad it's making mainstream media. Couple things wrong with here. I worked in academic medical center for six years, okay? And I saw a lot of different healthcare practices. My, my dissertation research was in healthcare, all right? So this isn't isolated to the one place I worked. This is kind of industry-wide. Here is the deal. Let's talk real for a second. This system right here, yeah, it, it probably could be exploited. Yes, it probably could cause patient harm, especially if it's like an infusion pump pushing drugs into the person, right? <clears throat> Those systems cost money, lots of money. This, this MRI machine that they're showing you right there, let's say a million dollars, okay? And let's not even get into the fact that there's like maintenance and service contracts that cost lots of money that's continued. And the fact that you can get a cheaper MR, this machine right here, you can get cheaper if it's running Windows XP because the vendor's trying to get it off their lot, right? Oh, like, hey, everything must go, fire sale, 80% off if you buy this this broken system. So when the healthcare practices purchases these devices, they see it as like a tool in their toolbox. They don't equate it to, Oh, this produces risk or whatever. It's just a revenue generating machine. This thing right here prints money. Every time someone goes in it, costs the, the hospital, you know, $10 to run the tests and everything. And they charge the insurance company $100, right? 90% profit margin. Obviously, I'm making these numbers uh, up. But like the idea behind what I'm saying is true. Now, yes, you can exploit medical devices. What you should be doing and what I've seen a lot of places do is they'll network segment off just the medical devices, right? They may not have network segmentation wholesale, but they will segment just the network devices literally because they are that much of a dumpster fire. Dumpster fire emote, please in chat if you can. Listen, these things run embedded systems. These things, these devices, they are typically reserved like by contract you cannot work on them at the practice uh, at the healthcare practice yourself, right? These are specialized pieces of equipment. They have FDA clearance and certification. If you mess with them, then you're taking, you know, you could kill the patient, right? So you're not allowed to mess with them. So now you have to sign these like lucrative contracts with Siemens and Philips and GE Healthcare and stuff where only their staff can come touch them and fix them. And oh, by the way, when they touch them and fix them, they usually do it remotely. So there's a remote access solution on these devices, which they will swear up and down is 100% secure. No one can get into it, yada, yada, yada. No one ever sells a solution where they're like, ah, it's pretty good. I mean, someone could get in, but for the most part, we haven't had any real problems. No, they're always going to say 100% secure, zero risk. By the way, if you ask them to put that into writing and that you can sue the sh out of them, if you do get breached, guess how quickly they'll say, well, it's not 100% secure. I, ask them. I mean, well, you're not going to do this because it's more of a pissing match. But like, if you ask someone to put it in writing that they're 100% secure, they will not do it because they can't, they can't stand by that. All right. So long, here's the deal. Yes, this thing can be exploited. Yes, this thing can kill people if it, if it, you know, if you, if you messed with it and wanted to, you know, push it to the limit. But there's problems. It costs money to replace. You're not going to get the money. You can't operate and fix it on yourself because, you know, you, you can't do that. Uh, and thirdly, 
they typically can run legacy operating systems or I've seen instances where it's like stripped down Linux versions and it's like, oh, we, we have a custom build. You know what happens with custom code? It's fraught with issues because the person who wrote it isn't a team of operating system engineers. It's probably a couple people in a lab who stripped down some OS version and then added a couple things and then called it their own version of Linux. Ugh. Whatever. I'll tell you what, dude. Like, I, you know what? Another thing, really quickly, just to flip out a little less. Like, this right here isn't even my biggest problem at, at healthcare uh, facilities. This, this is a problem, and it could be, but it's being amplified because patient safety. In reality, there's way bigger problems at uh, healthcare institutions um, around access and patient medical record. And yeah, patient safety and hurting a patient's obviously much graver a risk than someone's medical record getting released. But in the pantheon of things that you need to worry about and where you allocate your resources and stuff, this risk can be not mitigated, but it can be, well, it can be mitigated. It can't be remediated. And the key difference is remediated, you take care of it. It's not a risk anymore. Mitigated means you take it from like, oh my God, my pants are on fire. This is critical down to this is low. It's something we, that we're aware of, but we, we have confidence that it's not going to turn into an issue. Final thing I'll say on this after my flip out, I know I've gone over time and I apologize to the NCC group who are the ones uh, that I, for some reason, base case, I feel like I'm trying to make it 45 minutes for your crew. The final thing I'll say about this is that not only would you have to hack this thing, which would be trivial if it was like a Windows XP machine or something like that, but you have to understand the protocols and like how to actually increase the amount of drugs being pushed into the person or fluctuating their pacemaker, right? It's not just like, this isn't a Hollywood movie where like Gene uh, or um, Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackman has like the nine screens and he's like, yeah, listening to techno music and working like two keyboards, like the sticks uh, keyboardist. No, like you'd have to get the box and you'd have to know to like manipulate uh, the, the, the unique functions of the device itself. And the patient would have to be in it that you're actually trying to target unless you're just a psychopath um, and you don't care who you hurt. So this is an issue, but at the same time, mm. thank you. Spicy! Sparkling Goblin APT attacks a Hong Kong university. <clears throat> the security firm Asset published a blog post detailing the work of the APT, which operates in East and Southeast Asia. Sparkling Goblin uses a Linux variant of the sidewalk backdoor to target a university in Hong Kong back in February 2021. It seems the group targeted the organization for some time, including during May 2020 student protest, compromising several servers. The Linux version of Sidewalk used by the group differed from the Windows variant, generally showing less obscured code than the Windows version, and points to known C2 servers of the group. Before you move on to- All right. <clears throat> okay, so that sounds uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um... All right, so here's the basic TLDR with this one. It sounds like um, Sparkling Goblin, which is a really fun APT name. I like that one. I'd like to do, if I can find TTPs for Sparkling Goblin, look forward to a threat gen red versus blue, just so I can make the promo card of a Sparkling Goblin. 
Um, but they targeted Hong Kong University with a backdoor, essentially allowing them persistent uh, persistence into the environment. Um, when I first saw this, I thought I was thinking espionage to whatever research the Hong Kong University is working on. I'd be interested in that. But they actually said it was t they started to see this activity during Hong Kong protests. Guys, Hong Kong is kind of a hotbed. If I'm not mistaken, Hong Kong uh, was part of uh, the colonialism and British Empire. And then they went back to China um, a few years ago. So now it's under China control. China um, is known as kind of an authoritative regime. If you're protesting uh, the current power that's in charge... The power in charge does not like that, and they typically like to flex whatever muscle they have in order to suppress um, dissension among the uh, the, the society. Uh, so that's probably what this is. Getting in there, probably sniffing around, trying to find out who's involved, what they're doing. I don't think that this is targeted espionage now that I hear about the, um, the protest, unless that was a smokescreen. But I, I don't think that these APTs need to use smoke screens in, in order to hide their activity. All right. I know we ran a few few minutes over, guys. Uh, definitely appreciate all of you uh, hanging with me, allowing me the opportunity to properly flip out on medical device security. Uh, definitely something that needs to be given serious consideration to. <laughs> yeah, uh, apologies on the stream deck, not having the sound effects. I hope you enjoyed the manual sound effects for what it's worth. I hope you can join us at 4.30 Eastern time later today as we have a working session and give you actual actionable intel on how you can fix or update your LinkedIn profile today. Come join us. It's going to be a good time. I'll make sure to get my sound deck, soundboard all straightened out. It's great to be back, guys. I got back at 1 a.m. this morning. I had to be at the Citadel uh, bright and early this morning. So I'm kind of running on low sleep and riding low on a hip drain. Uh, <laughs> riding low on the hip on a train bound for glory. Be good, everybody. Hi, Michael Starnes. Good to see you. Leisha Jerry, thank you so much. Jared Pierpoint, thank you. Ender Lionheart, thank you so much. Jay Smith, always good to see you. Jenny Housley, thanks for the brief. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. It's why I'm here. I want, I'm a leader who serves. I'm trying to serve, deliver value, and help everybody in our community be, be as effective at cybersecurity as they can. Plus, I love talking about cybersecurity, so it's a, it's a great opportunity for me. So thank you. All right, Carl Ron. Thank you, Daniel Grimes. Thank you. Gil, Gil Z, thanks, man. Just a bot, just a bite. Yeah, guys, look for Sparkling Goblin uh, artwork coming out soon. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Mid Journey and drop Sparkling Goblin into Mid Journey, and then I'm going to post it on Simply Cyber's Discord server in a few minutes. So if you're not on the Discord, exclamation point Discord, come join us. You'll have a good time. Have a great day, everybody. I look forward to seeing you at 4.30. Have a good one.